Hello. Happy New Year. So much stuff. I'm super excited to be back with you all. It was a crazy ending to um, 2021. Pastor Josh wrote in his Christmas letter to us this year, it's hard not to sense that a new day has arrived. It's a new year, a new day. God brings us new mercies every day. We have much to look forward to, so let's look forward to that with much anticipation. It wouldn't be a new year if I didn't give away a brand new book. (laughs) So for those of you who have been married for less than a year, please stand up. I know that some of you, come on, I did some of your weddings. Okay, if you've been married for less than six months, continue to stand. For less than six months, continue to stand. For less than three months, continue to stand. Listen, Jeff and Tate, four months, come on up. I'm going to give them God's wisdom for navigating life. This is a a 365-day devotional in the book of Proverbs. My brother, do not forget my teaching, my instruction. Please read this with your wife every day. Give them a hand, guys. So last year on January 3rd, I had the privilege to preach from Matthew chapter 11, verses 11, 20, verses 11, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30, where Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And my encouragement to you last year was come to Jesus, come to Jesus. My encouragement in charge for this year is to commit all your ways to King Jesus, to wholeheartedly devote yourself to King Jesus. I don't know that we think long and hard enough about the things that we commit and devote ourselves to. During the past couple of weeks, I've been reflecting on and considering what I devote myself to. What do I really love? What do I care about most? To whom am I loyal to? How am I being faithful? Who do I carefully listen to? Who do I imitate? Do I look more like what is portrayed on social media? Or do I look more and more like I follow Jesus every day. Hopefully all of us can take more moments this year to consider what matters most to us. So back to Proverbs. We're going to do a Proverbs quiz. I'm going to give you the first half of a proverb, and you're going to yell out. You don't have to yell out. You can do it silently the last half of a proverb. Don't count your chickens. You guys got this. 
Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. If you can't stand the heat, Eric, get out of the kitchen. I don't think he knows that one yet. Let's <laughs> learn a new proverb. Lightning never strikes twice in the same place. Is that true? No, that's not true. Well, see? We're going to learn some stuff about the Proverbs. A leopard cannot change his spots. A penny saved, a penny earned. No news is good news. I like this one. People who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Don't build a glass house. You guys did well. So we're done? No. I have a small post-it note in my Bible at the beginning of the Proverbs that reads, don't pull out a proverb like a fortune cookie. Have you ever heard someone say, maybe a parent or even a grandparent or maybe a roommate, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. That's actually Proverbs 6.10. Someone who just uses this verse only is probably trying to convey, get a job. Stop being so lazy. However, that proverb is meant to be set among a group of proverbs, among five other proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6, 6 through 11. You'll see a fuller picture when you put all of them together. It talks about the ant. Not all of the Proverbs are promises or commands. Take, for instance, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some of you parents who have been around the block, I think that was a partial proverb. You know that that proverb is not an absolute truth. Some children do stray from the way that you teach them to go. Parents, let me encourage you, a little bit of encouragement. Train your children to walk in the way of wisdom. Teach them the ways of God. Teach them the things of God. Do not train them to walk in the ways of fools. So Proverbs are meant to be memorable. Most of them are designed for specific occasions, and most of them address ultimate and not immediate truths. I like what Pastor John Piper says about Proverbs. He writes, quote, even though the nature of a proverb is that it is often a general rule rather than a universal truth, this is not certainly always the case. Many proverbs are meant to be taken absolutely without exception, end of quote. Piper lists a number of examples to prove his point, like Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And he also includes Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, which is part of today's passage. I think a lot of you have that verse memorized, at least Proverbs 3, 5. So as we're going through today's passage, ask yourself, 
Is Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12, promising too much? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Will you, will you pray with me before we start? Almighty Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for these brothers and sisters who have come here to, to praise you, to love you, to fear you, to honor you. I ask that you bless them, Lord, in the hearing of your word. I ask that you help me, Father, help me to be clear and loving, to preach your word to your people. I ask that you be with our brothers and sisters who are at home, who are feeling sick. I ask that you be with them, that you would heal them, Lord, that, that your presence would be made known among them this very moment. I ask that you be with them, heal them. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. We thank you for all that you provide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you ready to receive this morning's message with great eagerness and examine the scriptures to see if what I'm saying is true? Yes. Let's get to it. Let me provide you with some context for this morning's passage. Proverbs 3, 1 through 12 is the third speech from Solomon to his son. In Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 22, which is the second address or speech Solomon lays out for his son, the son is commanded to listen to wise counsel. The son should pursue wisdom. The son should watch out for those who do not pursue wisdom, to stay away from those who pursue evil. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 26, passage immediately following today's passage, Solomon explains the value of pursuing wisdom. He says that wisdom is better than silver and gold, and that she, Lady Wisdom, is far more precious than jewels, and nothing can compare with her. Let me provide the structure or outline for Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, what you guys should expect. In verses 1 and 2, we have the introduction. The father urges appeals for the son to follow wise instruction. You'll see the beginning of the address, my son, with its first imperative or command, do not forget my teaching. Do not forget my instruction. In verses 3 through 10, you'll notice the content of the father's instruction to the son. You'll see four sets of instructions to the son in the odd verses. And four, incentive, four incentives or rewards or blessings in the even verses. And, in, and finally, in verses 11 and 12, the conclusion, you'll observe once again, my son... Do not despise the Lord's discipline. The father urges the son to embrace the Lord's correction. So our big idea, we like big ideas in here, writing stuff down. God the father urges his sons and daughters to pursue blessing through trust and obedience. God the father urges his sons and daughters to pursue blessing through trust and obedience. The introduction. The father urges the son to follow wise instruction, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my Torah. 
Do not forget my teaching, my instruction. Notice that the father, excuse me, being a wise parent and speaking authoritatively, says to the son, but let your heart, this word for heart here is like the inner man, the mind, the will, the heart. Let your heart keep or observe my commands. Why is this teaching instruction so important as to not forget it? I think Solomon is well aware of his duty as a father to teach his children the commandments, the way of Yahweh, the only one and true God. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. This is known as the Shema. That first word, hear, Shema. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is the instruction, the teaching, the father desperately wants the son to embrace. And verse 2 of Proverbs 3, the big payoff to begin the father's address to the son, hinting for the son to move in closer, to pay attention, to listen attentively. For length of days and years of life and shalom and peace they will add to you. In this verse in the Hebrew lexicon, peace is also known as welfare, health, prosperity. Peace here refers to more than just a life without conflict. This peace is referring to our overall well-being. Or as one commentator writes, a rich and meaningful existence. I think it's okay to stop and ask ourselves, what am I holding on to that I think will provide me with length of days and years of life and peace? Do you think a certain job is going to provide you with everlasting peace and welfare? Do you think your spouse, your children, are going to meet your most heartfelt needs for affection? Do you think a future spouse will satisfy your inner longing for companionship? Do you think that the home or multiple homes you own are going to provide you comfort and protection? Do you think that 401k or that diversified portfolio is going to give you peace? Don't get me wrong, finding a job And finding the right spouse is a good thing. Having some money in the bank and owning a home are fine and dandy. But is that what you find your identity in? 
Do those things make you stay up late at night? When you ponder those things, do they make you anxious? Do you set your hope on those things? Solomon is crying out for his son to not forget his instruction and to guard and keep his commandments. This is how the father opens his one-on-one chat with his son. He says, do not forget my instruction. Don't let amnesia set in. The father's instruction, part one. Write loyal love and faithfulness on your heart. If you want to know more about loyal love, steadfast love and faithfulness, this covenant, talk to Cindy Gooch. (laughs) Talk to Dr. Toby Jennings or Dr. Andy McClurg or Dr. Steve Doobie. These guys are well acquainted with the covenant love of God. Talk to them if you want to know more. The father begins the instruction to the son. He urges the son to not let steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. You'll often find steadfast love, which I like to call loyal love, and faithfulness together. Loyal love and faithfulness also describe God's character. Let me read to you Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. Verse 6, the Lord passed before him. The Lord passed before Moses on Mount Sinai and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Loyal love and faithfulness are to be a part of the Christian's obedient walk with God. The father urges the son, bind them. Bind loyal love and faithfulness around your neck. They are to be fastened around the neck, to be cherished, to be held close to your chest, to be made a part of your inner being. This covenant loyal love and faithfulness should be evident to the world. The Father is urging the Son to have loyal love and faithfulness be an ornament that hangs around his neck for all to see. Last week, Malachi reminded us of God with us. For those of you who know Jesus, God's very presence is with you. Soak that in for 10 seconds or 10 hours. Imagine how Close, God holds you to his very own heart. Closer than you could ever dream, to, dare to dream to or imagine. Nothing can separate the Christian from the father's great love for his sons and daughters. Not only is this steadfast, loyal love and faithfulness to be an ornament around the neck, they are to be written on the tablet of one's heart. The heart here is specific to the mind, the tablet of the memory. The father desires for his son to know God at the deepest possible level. Solomon does not want his son to to merely write out, I love God a thousand times on a piece of papyri. It's a piece of paper. 
He wants his son to know God in his heart. Not just outwardly, but inwardly. Inwardly. Let me encourage you. Go further in your devotion to God. Commit all your ways to him. Just, don't just write in your journal, the Lord God is my strength and my song. Let that truth sink into your soul. And what's the incentive? What's the blessing for binding loyal love and faithfulness around your neck and sticking them deep in the recesses of your heart? What's the incentive? Verse 4. And so you will find favor. You'll find grace. You'll find acceptance and good understanding in the eyes of God and mankind. That's the incentive. Write loyal love and faithfulness on your heart. Love God. Rely on him. Think about him day and night. God the Father wants his sons and daughters to pursue blessing through loyal love and faithfulness to him. The Father's instruction, part two. Trust God with all your heart, and in all your ways know him. Verse five, trust in God with all your heart. Some of you are like, what does that mean? The heart here is the inner, the inner man, the soul, the comprehending mind, the affections, the seat of your emotions. Rely on God with all your heart. Lay out yourself before him. Lay out yourself before him. I'm yours, God. Put all your trust in him. I think of the disciple whom Jesus loved, leaning on the chest of Jesus, leaning on his side, nestling up really close to him. The father is urging, instructing the son to trust God with all his inner being. Some of you here today might be feeling really far away from God. Some of you might not even know God. I encourage you in this very moment to bring all that shame, bring all that blame, bring all that guilt. Bring all that worry, bring all that doubt, bring all that sin, bring all the burdens, all the struggles, bring all that holds you back from relying on the steadfast love of Almighty God and set it before him. Set it before him, lay it all on him, lay it on him. Verse 5, and do not lean on your own understanding. The father is telling the son that he doesn't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to lean on our own muscle memory, our own intellect, our own perception of how the world and the people should be. We don't lean on our own understanding. We don't lean on the understanding of others. We lean on the everlasting arms of God. Leaning leaning. Wasn't that a good song? It's like one of my favorite songs, you know what I'm saying, Mike? Unfortunately, it's not our nature. Unfortunately, it is our nature. It is our nature to doubt the goodness of God. From the very beginning, mankind 
has doubted that God is really good and all wise. We are hardwired to hide, to feel shame, to feel guilt, to blame others. Too often we lean on our own understanding. Too often we do things our way. Too often we say, I know I'm supposed to follow Jesus and obey him, but Stephen, it's not that practical. It's too hard. That's the point. You can't follow God on your own understanding, on your own merit, on your own good works. Do you not think that God knows when you come to him with anything less than wholehearted devotion? Do you recall the Shema, that verse 5? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. All your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all, all. The only time you find all your heart in the book of Proverbs is Proverbs 3, 5. The Father is urging the Son, in all your ways know him. In every path you take, know him. Acknowledge him. Recognize him. And what's the incentive? What's the blessing? What's the reward? He, God, will keep your ways, will keep your paths straight. He will keep them smooth. He will guide you in the right direction. He will guide you down the right path. God will direct your ways. God the Father wants his sons and daughters to pursue blessing by trusting in him with all their heart. The Father's instruction, part three. Fear the Lord and run away from evil. Fear the Lord and run away from evil. The father basically repeats what he just said in verse 5. Just in case the son checked out, just in case any of you have checked out, check back in. Be not wise in your own eyes. Doesn't that sound like don't lean on your own understanding? Solomon is warning his son, be careful. Don't do things your way. Doing things your way and not considering God's ways is the epitome of arrogance. It's the essence of arrogance. This kind of attitude, it's that kind of attitude that screams out, I got things figured out. I don't need anyone telling me what to do. I got it figured out. These are the people that never find it funky. Uh, Include me in some of this. (laughs) that they are the only ones who have all of life figured out. We see this most exemplified when we try demonstrating that we have value. We are identifying with the world's system. The world screams at us, you are defined by what you own, how smart you are, the talent of your hands, how well you play the guitar. Sorry, Mel. how well you debate, how coordinated you are, how much money you have, how good looking you are. 
Solomon knows all too well that this type of attitude is just straight up foolish. Proverbs 12, 18, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 26, 12, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Solomon also reminds us in Proverbs 6, 17, that haughty, proud, arrogant eyes are one of the six things that God hates. Solomon is telling his son, don't be wise in your own eyes. Rather fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Revere God, respect God. Find your worth in knowing God. Is your identity in Christ? Do you get goosebumps thinking about the goodness and greatness and magnificence of King Jesus? When you look at the stars at night and you finally see that falling star, does your heart race? When you look at the waves in the ocean and the sun setting on the horizon, does it move you deep down inside? When a brother and sister in Christ reaches out to you and wants to bring you food when you are feeling like death, do you smile and thank God? Do you find worth and value in knowing that you are a son and daughter of the Most High God? Or are you still trying to prove yourself and to others that you have value and worth? That you got it all figured out. Proverbs 1.7. Proverbs 1.7 is the purpose of the whole book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Verse 7, Proverbs 3. And turn away from evil. Don't do shady things. Stay away from the shady lady. Some of you are like, who's the shady lady? Stay away from the shady guy. Don't, in don't get involved in shady dealings. Avoid places and situations where evil and shady things happen. And what's the incentive for fearing the Lord? What's the blessing? Verse 8. It will be healing to your flesh. That word for flesh is navel. It will be healing to your navel. Some of you are like, what does that mean? You'll be healed to the core. You'll be healed to the core, your whole body. You, ever, you know that phrase, shaken to the core? I was shocked to the core. Yeah, you could be healed to the core. So this is not saying when sickness or cancer overtakes the body and wreaks havoc on the body that you'll be able to take some Advil or, or put some Neosporin on that broken bone and it'll be healed. No, it's not saying that. Living in a godly manner, when you're not doing evil and shady things, will more often than not provide you good health and refreshment to the bones, like a cool drink of water to the bones. God the Father wants his sons and daughters to pursue blessing by reverently obeying and running away from evil. 
The Father's instruction, part four. Honor the Lord with all your wealth. Some of you are like, no. I don't like that verse. Honor the Lord with all your wealth. Verses nine and 10. The Father urges, instructs the Son. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Solomon takes the instruction training a step further and encourages Son to honor God with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your increase. This idea wasn't crazy for Solomon. The son's devotion to God is not fully complete unless it extends beyond relying on God with all his heart, emotions, and will. Solomon is challenging, instructing his son to offer his wealth and all the first fruits of his increase, to give back to God what has been generously given to him. And what's the incentive for honoring God? What's the blessing for honoring God with your wealth and all the first fruits and with the first fruits of all your gain? What's the blessing that comes from a willingness to give one's wealth to honor the Lord? Barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. One's wealth will be increased. It does not say how much it's increased. It's not like if you, get ten, if you give $10, you'll get back 20 Could you imagine if our immediate heart reaction was to honor God with all our wealth? We give God our first and very best. We don't say, let me first take care of my own bills. Let me first feed myself and, and give back to God what's left over. No. What if we had the mindset that the first and best is God's and everything left over is ours? What if we were to give to God the very first cut from all that God gives us? Our text does not specifically lay out how to exactly honor the the Lord with our wealth, but it does sound like the Father is urging the Son to take a portion of his wealth and the first fruits of all his produce and honor the Lord with it. God the Father wants his sons and daughters to pursue blessing by honoring him with all their wealth. The conclusion. The conclusion. The Father urges the Son to embrace the Lord's correction. Verses 11 and 12. The father brings a closing reminder to the son. Discipline is a good thing. The father says, my son, do not despise, do not reject or refuse the Lord's discipline or be weary of his correction. Do not loathe his correction. Why? Why? The Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. True sons and daughters of the Lord receive correction when they fall off the path of righteousness, when they wander from the way of wisdom. They receive correction when they prove to be disobedient. Why? Because they are sons and daughters of the Father. There are consequences to wandering off the righteous paths and doing what is right in our own eyes. The Lord corrects his sons and daughters because of his great love for them. As the father 
the son in whom he delights. Do you recall our big idea? God the Father urges his sons and daughters to, to pursue blessing through trust and obedience. So you might be thinking to yourself, I can't follow God like that. I don't have the strength. I don't rely on God with all my heart. My heart is janky. My heart is shady. I don't obey all his commands. I do evil things. I don't honor God with all my wealth. Neither do I. I'm guilty. But I want to. I, w I want to. But it's hard, right? It's hard. Let me tell you about a son who trusted in God the Father with all his heart. A son who was all about being in his father's house. Luke 2.52, chapter 2, Luke 2, verse 52, says this about the son. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus loved the Father's commandments. Jesus spent time with God the Father. Jesus prayed to the Father for hours and hours. Jesus loved the Father. Jesus was the Son who said, something greater than Solomon is here. In John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And this son, Jesus, did not despise the Lord's wrath, but said, let your will be done. This son drank the cup of wrath, the wrath that was supposed to be poured out on all the sins of mankind. The blood of Jesus was shed on the cross so that sinners like you and me could be in right relationship with God the Father. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was buried, and Jesus was raised on the third day. Jesus is the faithful and true Son who will judge the living and dead. Eternal life with God the Father is for all who repent of their sins and trust in Jesus with all their heart soul, mind, and strength. It is only by the Spirit of God, through the Son, that we could ever obey Him and trust Him fully, that we could ever devote all ourselves to Him, honor Him with all our wealth, to know God in all our ways. Let's make a commitment this year. Let's make a commitment this year that in all our ways, we will devote ourselves to God. God the Father urges his sons and daughters to pursue blessing through trust and obedience. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, 
Help us to be obedient like Jesus. Help us to honor you, to love you, to fear you, to commit all our ways to you, to follow you all the years and days of our life, knowing that we will be eternally blessed, that we will be in right relationship with you. Help us to trust in you, to love Jesus more and more each and every day. Place this on our hearts, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.